0: So a family went to the movies one day, and on the way in, one of their young sons of the family stopped at the refreshment stand to pick up some popcorn. By the time he got into the theater, the lights were already dim, and he couldn't find his family anywhere. He paced up and down the aisle, looking up and down each row, looking for his family. Finally, in desperation, he stopped And he asked out loud, Does anyone here recognize me? (laughs) Sounds like something one of my kids would do. (laughs) Even though it's well lit, there are many people who come into this church and they feel like that young man. Lost, isolated, disconnected from everyone. I think sometimes maybe even deep down, they're silently crying out, Does anyone here recognize me? They're longing for true Christian fellowship. And so that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. What is true Christian fellowship? Fellowship should be very important in our Christian life. And the Bible reminds us over and over again that God is a personal God. And that he's not some far off distant God in fact, he's a God that wants fellowship with his creation. He wants fellowship with us. And that's a big difference between our God, and that's the big difference between Christianity and all the other religions. Many of the other religions have gods that are unapproachable, they're distant. But our God, he wants to hear from us, he wants our devotion. And he wants our love. So, fellowship with God is very important. But tonight I'm going to focus on fellowship with our fellow believers. Because that's important too. And it's important to God. Because if you remember back in Genesis, God said, It's not good for man to be alone. So, we were created not to do life alone we were created to do life with others. The Reverend Billy Graham was asked a question one time about Christian fellowship, and part of his response was, God doesn't want us to be isolated from other believers. They may not be perfect, but we're not either. We need each other, and when we we cut ourselves off from other believers, our spiritual lives are weaker and incomplete, is that true or not? I've definitely noticed that. So tonight, I'm gonna. It's a short verse I'm gonna do um, from the Book of Acts as our main verse that I'm gonna read to you right now. And this is from Acts 2:42, and it says, "And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers." You can see all throughout Acts, if you read Acts, how they devoted themselves to each other with their love for Christ. And they did life together. They prayed together. And so one thing that we'll notice, especially here in this verse I just said in Acts 2, is that no one had to go to these disciples or any of the new believers, and nobody had to tell them, hey, by the way, now you have to practice fellowship with each other. Or hey, now you have to do life together. Or now you have to hang out with each other. It was never, never told to them. They just did it. Because at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and he formed an inner unity inside all of them. And it was natural for them to begin to fellowship with each other. It was natural for them to teach one another it was natural for them to go and pray with one another and break bread with one another it was all natural to them and Luke tells us that these early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so they were taught God's Word and they were grounded in the faithful preaching of his word so that they could understand the spiritual truths And then Luke says right after that that they devoted themselves to fellowship. So if you notice, they didn't just have fellowship, they devoted themselves to it. So this means that fellowship was a priority for them and it should be a priority for us. And that one of the objectives for gathering together was proper fellowship. The fellowship that they had together was about loving Jesus and loving one another. And then when I was talking about fellowship with some people at work, and of course, we all have our different interpretations of what fellowship is and what it comes to our mind. And a lot of times, fellowship is kind of one of those church words that's not commonly used by non-Christians. But this word is also at many times misused and misunderstand by many Christians and many non-Christians. Being devoted to fellowship is an extremely important aspect of our faith. As I said, God created us to be in fellowship with one another. He didn't want us to be alone. He didn't create us to be alone. And it's always easier when two people share the load. I think about many times here when we have a special gathering or if we have a dinner or something that's going on here. You rarely see just one person picking up the tables and taking all the chairs. We do it together. We pick up the heavy burdens with each other. And even our, t- our tables and chairs here aren't that heavy. But we help each other out and we do this together because we're not meant to do things alone. It's the same way with our faith. Fellowship through worship here at church in small groups and in a prayer allows us to share the load with one another. And that's how we can grow in our faith. As I said, we, when you, what, do you, what do you think of when you hear the term fellowship? I know I think of a fellowship hall. You know, or I think of fellowship dinner or coffee and donuts. And that's not because I'm a retired police officer either. <laughs> and sometimes we even go and have coffee with each other and we're having fellowship Starbucks. Not really, but I think you get my point, right? (laughs) That's what comes to my mind when I hear the word fellowship. And I think that that comes to a lot of other people's minds. That's why I'm saying that a lot of times that word is misused or misunderstood and not used as we should be always using it. All that stuff is good because as we all know, food is great and it's great to have a nice big meal with each other. But I think sometimes we have to just kind of sit down and sit back and ask ourselves exactly what is fellowship? What does it mean? And how does it relate to God? And how does it relate to us as Christians? So, first, I want to look real quick at that word fellowship. And when I looked up the word in the dictionary, it said friendly association especially with people who share one's interest. And it also refers to intimate and not casual community spirit. So I figured I would take that definition and I would put the word Christian in front of it. And so what I get on that is, is that Christian fellowship, true Christian fellowship, means sharing together in the things of God and our mutual love for him. So we can see that in Acts 2.42, the earlier Christians had a friendly association with one another. They shared a common interest with each other, which was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, praying together, and fellowship. Fellowship. This was the common thread that they had, and this should be the common thread that we have as a church. And I think we have that. I really enjoy this church, and I think we do a really good job of fellowshipping with one another. And I've heard a saying before, and I believe this is true, that people come to church for a lot of different reasons, and people stay at a church because of the fellowship. And one of the main reasons why people keep coming to church is because they enjoy being with the church family. They enjoy the socializing and the praying and the preaching and the teaching and the different things that we have here. And that reason is because we all have a common interest, just like the old early church. We all have a common interest. And that common interest is, is for us to come and learn more about each other and to learn more about God and also to understand some of the spiritual questions that we all may have because we all have lots of spiritual questions. And church is a wonderful place to come and hear that. So the church is a great place for us to come and to learn about God. We learn about his word. And then we can join in prayer with each other, one another. We can lift each other up. So why is Christian fellowship so important? I've already said some reasons, but I also think that Christian fellowship is an important part of our faith. It's a way that we can all come together, support one another, and as I said, we can learn from one another But it's also because we can gain strength from one another and to show the world exactly who God is. I don't know about you guys, but when I am down in the dumps or I'm having a bad day or a bad week, there's no other place I would rather be but with my church family and worshiping. And one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, and I know everybody's heard this before, and this is one of my favorite ones, is Proverbs 27.17, where it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You see, there's mutual benefit when you're rubbing two iron blades together. It makes the knives more efficient, and they're able to cut and slice easier. So if you take that with us, in the same way, our constant fellowship with one another is needed to make us stronger in our faith and we can sharpen one another in our fellowship and in our prayer. And then we can, it'd be easier for us to go out there in this world. One of my favorite uh, preachers is, I, I like listening to Charles uh, Swindoll. And he has a famous sermon that I was reading. It's called Lessons from a Tavern. And this is where, I don't know if you ever heard it, but this is where he compares the corner bar to the corner church. And he asks, which one is doing a better job of reaching people? And so here's part of the sermon that he says. He says, an old Marine Corps buddy of mine, to my pleasant surprise, came to know Christ after he was discharged. I say surprised because he cursed loudly, fought hard, chased women, drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated chapel services. A number of months ago, I ran into this fellow, and after we talked a while, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss is that old fellowship I used to have with the guys down at the tavern. I remember how we used to sit around and let our hair down. I can't find anything like that for Christians. I no longer have a place to admit my faults and talk about my battles where somebody won't preach to me or preach at me and with a frown and quote me a verse. It wasn't one month later that in my reading, I came across this profound paragraph. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to Christian or fellowship in Christ wants to give his church. It's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes, not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many people seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. With all my heart, this writer concludes, I believe that Christ wants his church to be unshockable. A fellowship where people can come in and say, I'm sunk. I'm beat, I've had it. Alcoholics Anonymous has this quality. Our churches often miss this. Then he goes on to say, now before you take up arms to shoot some wag that would compare to your church to the corner bar, stop and ask yourself some tough questions like I had to. Make a list of some possible embarrassing situations people may not know how to handle. Your mate talks to you about separation or divorce. To whom do you tell it to? Your daughter is pregnant and she's run away for the third time. She's no longer listening to you. Who do you tell that to? You lost your job and it was your fault. You blew it. So there's shame mixed with unemployment. Who do you tell that to? Financially, you're unwise and you're in deep trouble, or a man's wife is an alcoholic, or something as horrible as getting back the biopsy from the surgeon and it reveals cancer, and the prognosis isn't good. To whom do you tell that to? We're the only outfit I know that shoots its wounded. We can become the most severe, condemning, judgmental, guilt-giving people on the face of planet Earth and we claim it's in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the while, we don't even know we're doing it. And that's the pathetic part of it all. Sad, isn't it? The church should be a place where we can come and we can tell everybody and tell each other our problems and what we need. So how do we as passionate followers of Christ respond to this? What can we do different so that people feel comfortable talking about their problems as they would at a local bar, as Chuck Swindoll said. One of the things I love about being here at Woodland Church is that we have so many opportunities to fellowship with one another. And we do that in our small groups. We have so many small groups at this church, and they're all wonderful. And they're all for anybody in any walk of life. And if you don't belong to a small group here, I urge you to go out into the coffee area and take a look at the small groups that we have here. And I laugh because in my sermon here, I wrote the crossing and they moved it. So if you're used to going back there to the crossing, right to the right, now you just go to the right a little bit. And you'll see it. And Pastor Rick does such a great job. He does an incredible job of keeping track of all these small groups and making sure that there's a small group for everyone's needs. I mean, I picked up a few of these and we got women's in prayer. We got young family life, married with children. Faith, family, and friends. That's mine. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all good. We also have the Elevation Small Group for teens. Men's Breakfast. Personal Growth. I mean, just go over here and just look at every single one. It's that thing that turns around. You will find, I promise you, a place to get plugged into. And if you need help, come and see me and I'll help you. So that's one thing that is, I, I've, I've actually never been to a church that does that with small groups. I mean, I've been to churches where they get together with people, but, um, and we have so many of them. Um, I don't want to keep saying that, but we do. <laughs> and so one of the important parts of being in a small group is that in a small group, you'll have a chance to do life with other members of our church. You'll be able to build relationships with others. And a lot of times, these relationships that you'll build with others, they last a lifetime. So small groups are here not only to enjoy fellowship with those who you have the same interest in as you do, but they're also there to help you face life's problems by providing support and encouragement of other Christians. And in doing this, we're able to experience in-depth relationships with others. And like I said, lifelong friendships are developed in these small groups. Also, a lot of times with these small groups, they're very helpful when you or a family member of yours gets sick, or if there's a death in the family. They can provide food during your sickness or your grieving time. They can also provide emotional support for you. And when we do life with others in small groups, you can just call other people and encourage each other. I know there's been several times that in my small group, um, me and a couple of other men go to dinner or something, and we just talk, and, and we talk manly stuff, you know, and we do, we, you know, we, we have fun to, with each other. And we confide in each other, and we talk to each other about maybe our problems at work, or maybe we, have other issues at home and we talk about it because it's a safe place to do that with small groups. And Pastor Rick is very good about making sure that whatever you say or do in small groups stays in that small group. It's very important. It's the code. Because we have to earn each other's trust. We have to be able to trust one another. And so when we're in small groups, because we're not in this big congregation with a group. We're you know, smaller, so we we have to be like that. So small groups are great. And not only that, but being in small groups can also extend to our family members who may not be strong in their faith or who may not believe at all. I'm sure there's several people that come to small groups and their husband or their wife or their children don't want to go to this stuff and You know the church stuff and they go home and they'll probably talk about their small group people and the friends that they've made at church you know so that's a good witness too going home and talking to your family about this and i read that a preacher in tennessee said that his father was not a christian and he never went to church he said everyone else in the family would get ready and go to church and his dad would stay home The preacher would come by and visit, and his dad would always give him the same answer. I know why you're here, and I know what you want. You want another name and another pledge. You don't care about me. He said, if I heard my dad say it once, I heard him say it 20 times. He said towards the end of his life, his dad got throat cancer. He had surgery and couldn't talk. His dad... He said his dad was wasting away to nothing in a hospital room. But in that hospital room, it was filled with flowers and cards, almost all of them from someone at church. Food came to his house from his mom's Sunday school class at the church. He said people came and they prayed with his dad from the church. He said one day... Even though his dad couldn't talk, he took a scrap piece of paper and he scribbled words from Shakespeare's Hamlet, in this harsh world, draw your breath in pain to tell my story. He said, dad, what is your story? His dad with a trembling hand wrote on a scrap piece of paper, I was wrong. I was wrong about the church. He said, I got to talk with my dad about salvation in Christ before he died simply because of the love and the fellowship of a church. So you see a huge contrast difference between the sermon about the bar in the church and this. And this is how our church is supposed to operate. Loving others, being passionate followers of Christ. So another reason why fellowship is important is that it provides encouragement. In Hebrews ten twenty-four to 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love that verse. Encourage each other. Don't neglect coming to church. I know that we all have bad moments and none of us are immune to problems, whether it be the loss of a loved one or money problems or you get a bad doctor's report or even a crisis of faith. There's so many to the list, but I'm telling you right now that this is the biggest reason why true Christian fellowship is important. Because it's in those low times in our lives that we're able to reach out to fellow believers and they can help us keep our eyes focused on God. And when we come together with fellow believers, it can help us during our healing processes when we need it. It can help us encouraging us so that we can move forward. And this is also why today, I mean, we live in a darkened world. There's so many people out there that are trying to tell you the right way of doing things. They're trying to tell you what you should believe. And so that's why we have a need for us gathering frequently in fellowship to worship and learn from each other and learn from God's word. We ought to be good at letting our guard down with each other and learn to trust and love one another. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Amen. We as a church family gather together to lift one another up we bear each other's burdens and we encourage and we teach each other. I know I keep repeating that, but it's important. This is what we are supposed to do. And I remember this past Sunday, pastor mentioned something in the sermon that we should get to know people. You remember when he said that, get to know people. And I think that this is a very good aspect of fellowship. And I've already talked about the importance of small groups. But it's also important for us to get to know the people we go to church with here at Woodland. That's all a part of fellowship as well. This is particularly important for those people that are walking in the doors of our church for the first time. I think that many of us may have forgotten what it's like to be a church visitor. We get so comfortable that we forget about that first time that we've walked into this church or any other church, not knowing what to expect. And in recent studies I've read is that a first-time guest to a church will usually decide within the first 10 minutes on whether they're going to come back or not. So think about what happens in the first 10 minutes before church service starts a time that we congregate back there we greet each other we get our coffee we see how everybody's week is gone but do we ever really kind of ever look over and just see if there's someone there that you've never seen before or have never talked to I think if you have I think the best thing is is that just go over and introduce yourself and welcome them Because that's what they want and that's why people leave or decide whether they're gonna stay or go within that first ten minutes so very important for us to know the people who are first time second time or even third time visitors but it's also important for us to invest some time in getting to know those that we've been coming to church with for a while I read that a church newsletter Mentioned a man who visited 18 different churches on successive Sundays, trying to find out what the churches were really like. In every church, he was neatly dressed. He followed the same routine of giving ample opportunity for fellowship. Then he used a scale to rate the reception he received. These are the points that he awarded. 10 points for a smile from a worshiper. 10 points for a greeting from someone sitting nearby. 100 for an exchange of names. 200 for an invitation to have coffee. 200 for an invitation to return. 1,000 points for an introduction to another worshiper. How about that? 1,000 points just to say, hey, this is This is Bob. Bob, this is so-and-so. 2,000 for an invitation to meet the pastor. That's one thing I love about this church is our pastor goes back there and he will shake hands with every single person in this church. So it's very easy to get 2,000 points. Just get them in that line right there. (laughs) So on this scale, 11 of the 18 churches earned fewer than 100 points. 11 of the 18 churches scored fewer than 100 points. Five of these churches actually received less than 20 points. The conclusion, the doctrine may be biblical, the singing inspirational, the sermon uplifting, but when a visitor finds nobody cares whether he's here or not, he's most likely not coming back. So we should think about that when we're here at church. It really doesn't take much to welcome people and say hi and shake hands. Like I said, we do a great job of doing that and, and coming from a former police officer's view, it's also very safe to welcome people and let people know that are coming here for the first time. Hey, I know you're here. <laughs> so we need to be gracious to everyone who comes here, not just those people that we know. We need to practice and we need to pursue hospitality. We need to be very deliberate about our greeting, making everyone feel welcome. Remember, it's not someone else's job. It's an opportunity for all of us to enjoy. I'll tell you another story about Sam Walton. Everybody knows who Sam Walton is. He's the founder of Walmart. And he had a pledge that he made all of his employees say. And it said... From this day forward, if a customer comes within 10 feet of me, regardless of what I'm doing in this place, I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to smile. I'm going to greet them and a good morning or good afternoon. Or what can I do to help you? So help me, Sam. So wouldn't it be great if everyone in this church would make a good Samaritan pledge. and It would go something like this. From this day forward, every person who comes within 10 feet of me, regardless of what I'm doing in this church, I'm going to look them in the eye, I'm going to smile, and I'm going to greet them with a good morning or a good afternoon or what can I go and what can I do for you? So help me, God. (laughs) Amen. I mean, really think about it. And I thought about this when I was writing this and every single time that I start writing a sermon and I start, I start getting convicted because there's been so many times that I've been trying to wrangle up one of my kids in the back and get them to their classes and do whatever and then trying to run back to go back and pray before we do service. And there's been so many times when I've ran by somebody or walked by somebody and I said, I should have at least just said Hi. That happens to me all the time. And I'm trying to do a better job of, as I'm going back to stop. hi. <laughs> I'm trying to do a better job. But we see, we see the same people a lot of times, every Wednesday and every Sunday. And so we should never get too busy to just say hi or just smile at them. Even if somebody walks by, just smile at them. Just give them a good smile. Make them know that they're, that they're known, that you know that they're here, that you appreciate them. fellowship also gives us a picture of God. In Romans 12:4 through 6 it says, "Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special functions, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given to you. You see, each one of us together shows all of God's grace to the world. And no one's perfect, we all sin, but each of us have a purpose here on earth. Each of us, if you remember my last sermon, have gotten spiritual gifts from God that we are to use with each other. And with those spiritual gifts that we have, It's one of those things that we can show God to everyone around us. And when we come together in fellowship, it's like us as a whole demonstrating God. Think of it like a cake. I must be getting hungry or something. You know, you need the flour, you need the sugar, you need eggs, you need oil, and you need more stuff to make the cake. The eggs will never be the flour. And the sugar will never be the oil. But none of them make up that cake alone. Yet together, all those ingredients make a delicious cake. It's just like, it's just like that with fellowship. All of us together show the glory of God. Fellowship reminds us that we're not alone. 1 Corinthians 12.21 says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So being able to come together with other believers in worship and conversation helps us remember that we're not alone here. We're not alone in this world. There's believers everywhere. You know, it's amazing that no matter where you are in the world, when you meet another believer, it's like you suddenly feel at home. You ever get that? When you just meet someone for the first time and you find out that they're a Christian, besides the first thing saying, oh, what church do you go to? You just have that connection with them. You have that connection of fellowship. It's like instant fellowship. And that's why god made fellowship so important he wanted us to come together so that we always know that we're not alone fellowship allows us to build those lasting relationships so we're never by ourselves in the world so i got a couple of things i just want to wrap this up with but the bible places importance on church family and fellowship because It's where we can study God's word together and honor God through our worship together. Psalm 34, three says, and it emphasizes the call to corporate worship. It says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The importance of family, church family and fellowship is also because that's where we can find accountability. It goes back to the Proverbs 27, 17 that says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We're to be accountable to one another. Accountability is very important in the battles that we face daily of overcoming sin. And the church family and our fellowship with one another is a great place to pray with, talk with, and confide in. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's very, very hard to... Take care of our sin by ourselves sometimes sometimes we need to confide in others we need to find somebody that we trust and we need to talk to them and so a lot of times they help us out it's also that we make disciples together we can evangelize we can teach we can encourage and we can disciple our church family but more importantly, together with our outreaches and, our, and all the stuff that we do for the community, we can also evangelize, teach, encourage, and disciple our community. Matthew 28 says to go out and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all people. So we should be doing that. Christian fellowship does have an impact on unbelievers. People know what we're about here. And there's been many people here that have come for different outings that we have and different programs that we have that aren't believers. And they're watching us and they're watching how we interact with one another and they're watching how we are. And so we're to show the love of Christ in all things. And the love that Christians have for one another can influence others towards faith in Jesus Christ. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is thinking that we can do life alone and believing that we don't need each other. But as we saw in the opening passage of Acts, and as we see all throughout the book of Acts, is that the early church from the very beginning knew they needed each other. And they remained plugged in with each other. And that's exactly what we need to be reminded of today. Lord God, I just thank you tonight for this fellowship that we have here at Woodland Church and I just thank you for these friendships that we have all made throughout our lives here throughout the years that we've been here, Lord. And I just pray that we'll continue to just love each other and just do life together with each other. And I pray that we'll continue to encourage one another in true Christian fellowship and in godly love. And I pray that we just continue to know that you are with us lord and we just need to know you more and to love you better so that we can love others as you love us and i pray that we'll just take that time and we can learn to just slow down and just spend time more simply sitting at your feet lord and listening and reading your word and i just pray that you just draw us all into a deeper fellowship with you father and that you lead us to focus on worship that we can be useful in your service. And we continue to pray for Pastor and Becky and her family as they wrapped up their funeral for her father, Lord. And, and I just also pray for safe travels home for Pastor and Becky and their family, Lord. And Pastor Rick, I continue to pray for him and his family, Lord, and that they're safe and that they'll, he'll come back to us safe. And I pray right now, Lord, for the sick in our church. I just pray for healing and for comfort and for the families of those that are sick. And Lord, I continue to pray for our community. I pray that you'll just increase our burden for our community and that you'll just intensify our love and our growth for the gospel so that we have that desire, Lord, to see others saved I also pray for the church service on Sunday, Lord God, that the gospel will continue to be boldly preached, unashamedly proclaimed, and that anyone in the community who that feels broken, unwanted, hurt, can come here and be in fellowship with us and that hope can be found for them in Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.